If we shadows have offended, think but this, and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here, while these visions did appear, and this weak and idle theme, no more yielding but a dream. Gentles, do not reprehend, if you pardon we will mend, and, as I am an honest puck, if we have unearned luck, now to scape the serpent's tongue, we will make amends ere long, else the puck a liar call, so good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. Oh, when she's angry, she is keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when she went to school, and though she be but little, she is fierce. Good evening, one and all, and a very warm welcome to Hodge on Nodge. Joining me tonight, I have two men that are going to help us dissect whether this is indeed a mid-November managerial dream team that we've brought in. To my left, we have a face that all you Norwich fans will know pretty well, I imagine. That is the lovely Connor Southwell. Connor, how are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, I enjoyed your Shakespearean monologue to open things off. I was uh, I was actually in a production of King Lear back in school. So, um, Ooh, uh, I don't know who did you play? Uh, Edmund, who was like the, the villain character. That was good fun. Um, good but stuff. That was all in- that was all in Shakespearean, so um, yeah, that, that that rang a little bit of a bell, some of that, I think. <laughs> I, I'm going to try and commentate an iambic pentameter one day, like when I, when I really want to raise the bar. Luke Hatfield is below me. Luke is someone that Norwich fans won't be so familiar with, but Luke is a man who has first-hand watched what Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare have done at Aston Villa. Um, Luke, and a good mate of mine for uni as well, so, so much in one package. How are you doing, Luke? Oh, not bad. Um, likewise with Connor, what an intro that was. I mean, it was it was certainly out of uh, the realms of, of, of Dean Smith greatness from, from his time at Aston Villa. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, I did that, obviously, because Craig Shakespeare's got the surname Shakespeare and William Shakespeare as the bard. But are these guys going to be the ones that can, I don't know, sonnet us to success um, and get us going somewhere? That is, that is the big question, because... I think earlier in the week, I was blinded. Or, well, yeah, we are on Sunday night now, um, Monday morning probably, if you're listening to this in the podcast form. I'd talked myself into Frank Lampard, and I think I was blinded by the lights of it being Frank Lampard and thinking that that was the right move. But I think when you package up Dean Smith and Shakespeare together, I like that better. Because I didn't even think of Dean Smith as coming with Craig Shakespeare. I just thought of it as Dean Smith in isolation. But this seems to be a nice marriage between the values that Norwich have bought, the attacking side of the game and building a dynamic, entertaining team with Dean Smith. And then Craig Shakespeare, who's great at a bit of the, the kind of more pragmatic sort of tactical approach. He definitely showed that in his time at Leicester. And a lot of people have said that he was he was the kind of tactical mastermind behind the Claudio Ranieri team that went on and won the league. So, I mean, you've seen them firsthand over the, the past few years at Villa, Look, what? So, talk to me about Dean Smith pre-Craig Shakespeare and then after Shakespeare came in as his assistant. What was the difference between the team? And what do you think these two men can bring to Norwich City? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, firstly, I was, I was surprised to see Dean Smith jump, jump, jump back in. Um, so quickly, or I mean, as, as as things stand, I mean, it's not been officially announced yet, has it? Not. Um, it's not. Um, no, but um, I, I think it will not be too long. I mean, I doubt it will be tonight. Now we're getting on quite late, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. probably one for Monday morning. But I mean, exactly. It was a, it was a surprise because I thought after after Dean Smith left Villa, um, 
that it, it was going to be one where he maybe sits down for six months, waits until you know he, he gets some time um, to recollect on on what was you know a, a ultimately a very successful time at Aston Villa. And and in regards to your question, I mean, it, it's a strange one because Dean Smith pre Craig Shakespeare, obviously, I mean, it was nothing but up um, for Aston Villa. Obviously, he came in with the club, you know, mid table in the Championship, not really doing much. Um, obviously a fantastic squad and one which, you know, should be performing and getting themselves promoted. And he came in and, you know, he, he got off the start well. He got off to a start with with, with a win uh, against Swansea. Um, but then Villa struggled a little bit, left, you know, some good performances, some not so good. Um, but it all kind of came together with the return of Jack Grealish to, from injury. And, and Dean Smith was, you know, put together a bit of a managerial masterstroke, uh, making him the captain. And it got the most out of him and, you know that the, the squad went on a, an unprecedented, a historic, you know, ten-game winning run, um, which fired them right into the, you know, into the in, into the playoff spots, and and you know did the job on on the big stage against Frank Lampard. Funnily enough, um, in that playoff final, um, that first yeah, it's interesting came... how the symmetry kind of goes in football sometimes, isn't it? And then the fact that I mean, everyone was looking at the Lampard Gerrard's potential game that it was going to be. It's now going to be Dean Smith going back to his old team, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, so, I, I, it's just funny the symmetry in football sometimes that all of these things wrapped up. The fact that Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, the two midfielders of their generation, that Sven Goran Eriksson couldn't manage to put in a team together uh, to, to any great deal of success. But yet they have been inextricably linked throughout their career and then they're both linked to clubs in the same day. It's just mm. interesting the symmetry you get in football sometimes. Yeah, it writes itself, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's exactly it's it's not something that just kind of you know, never it fails to entertain it, or it always manages to, to link back up. But in regards to your original question, yeah, um, Dean Smith, you know, it was nothing but ups. Um, I mean, that first season in the Premier League was was a little bit hairy, but I mean, again, he, he pulled it out of the bag late on. Um, there was a point where Villa looked almost certain to go down, and uh, you know, those are that last run of games where they amassed you know enough points to to, to survive on the skin of their, by the skin of their teeth on the last day against West Ham, um, and then the season after speaks for its speaks for itself, doesn't it? I mean, I mean that season where you know Villa went and beat Liverpool uh, 7-2 at, at Villa Park and, and there were great results against other really big sides. Uh, and I think that was when we saw Dean Smith football at its pomp. And you know, there were there were some changes in, in terms of the coaching setup and uh Shakespeare came in and, and it looked like things were you know continuing on and you know Shakespeare everyone knows the quality he brings and and you know he was he was you know a part of the, that management team that was was so highly rated um, at Villa Park last season, um, but this year I, th- I think it's been a more a situation of you know you've lost your talisman, you've lost your captain, and you know there are some question marks over over how Dean Smith coped without Grealish. I don't, I, I think any manager would have struggled without him to be honest. You know the impact they. It's almost time. like a bit similar to, and I, I know Villa fans haven't seen the best Emmy Buendia yet, but it's a bit similar to Norwich City losing Buendia. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you lost the main sort of focus of your attacking axis. And I think Norwich struggled to kind of compensate for that for a long time. Um, and no no doubt, when you look back at Daniel Farker's reign as Norwich manager, the mm. fact that Emi Wendy and Timmy Pukki provided that one-two punch will always be... And, and one of the criticisms you could level is Farker's winning ratio without Emi Buendia, which is pretty stark, the stats. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think Dean Smith probably really struggled with losing Grealish and... Um, so sometimes there's just the right time at a football c- club for a new voice to come in. It probably is that time at Villa, although 
I do think one result, and he could, I do think he could have turned it round actually at Villa. Mm. But I also think sometimes, I, th- I think football's becoming a bit more short termist, all in, isn't it? But more yeah. and more clubs are just seeing that a new voice can help more frequently, you know. Um, and I, I think, I think to be honest, I can kind of see the sense for Villa in making the change, um, regardless of what you think of Gerard's appointment, which the argument can be made. But for Norwich City, it strikes me that of of all the candidates that were mentioned, and a lot has been made of the fact that he was st- uh, Dean Smith was still in a post um, before Farker was sacked. But I think that's I don't I don't think the two things are necessarily linked. Connor, ju- mm. just getting onto that actually, what what's your kind of sort of envisioning of how this managerial chase? has gone down because there's obviously been quite a lot of stories leaked. Talksport already had Frank Lampard appointed, ended up very much with egg in their face, um, coming out with that news, which obviously given the way Talksport have treated Norwich City this season, ha ha. Um but what was your kind of view on the way that the managerial chase has been conducted? Do you think Norwich City have ended up with the the best candidate for the job? Do you think they've ended up with the preferred candidate for the job? Well what's your thoughts? Yeah, yes to both. Um, uh, and to be fair to the club, even sort of on on probably the day after Daniel Farker was sacked, it was always kind of this weekend as a timeline that they saw as getting their their man in. So they were always going to do the the sort of due diligence and do the process properly and speak to the relevant people. Um, to be honest, I think look, people, there, there's been and I've I've seen them myself uh, tweets going, oh well. Smith was already in a post when Daniel Farker was sacked, so he couldn't have been the preferred candidate or he couldn't have been the choice. I think Norwich had a a plan once once uh, Daniel Farker was dismissed. I think Dean Smith's availability changed that pretty rapidly, to be honest. Um, someone that, that Stuart Webber uh, knows well, likes. Um, I think John Percy reported yesterday, that, um, which is something that I didn't know, actually, that he, he held talks with him uh, to be Huddersfield manager in 2015. So it's, it's clearly Ooh, that's a, interesting. A, a connection going back a, a, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say that Smith's availability probably changed their plans. But as soon as his availability was clear and it was clear that he was interested in the job, um, I think Norwich City had their, their eyes set on one candidate, really, um, which is quite interesting given the way it's all panned out, as, as you mapped out there with Frank Lampard and, and whatnot. Um, Stuart Webber managed to squeeze in a, a face-to-face meeting with, with Dean Smith before he left to go to New York to visit his son. Um, obviously, everyone's seen the reports about him interviewing well. I think having watched a few videos of him yesterday speaking about culture and his ideas and uh, and stuff like that, I think it's pretty clear to see why. Um, uh, and then I think sort of late Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday and, and today has been about finalising the, the small details with an announcement set for, for probably tomorrow morning, I, I would suggest, um, but, but definitely tomorrow. Um, so, uh, yeah, in terms of the timeline they've set, and I understand why it looks a bit chaotic, but they've certainly met their, their own targets with this appointment. Well, do, do you know what's a nice thing about it is it proves that there was no cloak and dagger going on when Daniel Farker was still in charge. It proves that Norwich City have gone about the process the right way. And even if you think it was harsh sacking a manager after the first win of the season, I mean, I would maintain that Norwich City would already be facing relegation if they did not make a, a head coaching change. So I think it was the right move, but I also think it shows that Stuart Webber's not gone behind Farkas back in any way. Everything's been done above board and they're now going through the process of trying to find a manager. And to be honest, they're turning it round at the right time during the international break. And we're ending up with a candidate. I, I in my last podcast, I totally talked myself into Frank Lampard. And now 
I've totally talked myself into Dean Smith. And I think it's the combination of the two of them. And sorry, look, I'm maybe cut across your answer, mate, but I'm I'm really interested in that dynamic because I think everyone's aware of Craig Shakespeare for his work at Leicester. And it's interesting that he chose to take the step back to become an assistant. Did he ever sort of allude to why that was? Does he just prefer being in the background rather than the head coach role? Or is there any particular reason for that? Yeah, I think it. I think it's just a matter of you know of, of preference for him. I mean, obviously he, he he took on the role, you know, at Leicester, and and you know things didn't go to plan really in terms of the success that they'd, they'd had. Obviously, the, the great success that they'd had the season before, and you know, I think I think he maybe sees himself as you know happier, you know, behind the scenes as a, as a coach, you know, not the man who, who's 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 one under fire when when things aren't necessarily going particularly great and you know I think I think it suits him as as well as you know the clubs that like you maybe look at him um with Villa for example it was it was it was a case where you know they wanted to add to their coaching staff and, and Dean Smith was you know looking for the right person and and obviously Craig Shakespeare if he's a name who's available or or someone that you really want to get a hold of and, and agrees to go to that club he's obviously a, a great pickup and I think for Norwich it'll be it'll be a fantastic coaching team I, th- I think you know you were right in, in saying that you know football's a little bit cyclical um, Dean Smith kind of he spent his time at Villa and he'd obviously you know been fantastic, but you know the fans didn't want it to get toxic for Dean and you know it never did that, um, which was which is great because obviously he's got you know deep line connections with the club. Um, you know it's it's, it's, pro- it's, it's quite yeah. well known that his dad was a steward and, and and that. So you know it was great to see that and and for Craig, I think it, I think it'll be a good opportunity to work with Dean Smith again and and you know do it at a club and hopefully keep Norwich up because you know that will be the the, the the main aim this season, won't it? Well, yeah. Do do you think from sort of you're obviously a bit of an outsider here, and, and we're in amongst it all the time. What's your take on it from the outside? Do you think that squad is decent enough to be kept up for number one, and number two? Do you think Smith and Shakespeare between them can contrive to do that? Well, I certainly think Smith and Shakespeare can. Shakespeare, sorry, can do it. I mean, we we saw it. We, we saw it with Villa when. You know they were they were really you know in a creek without a paddle and and they managed to get them out of it or Dean Smith managed to do that and uh, you know it's it's one of those where with Norwich I look at it from the outside I do have I do have reservations about the squad but I wonder mm. why the likes of Billy Gilmore and the likes of Todd Cantwell haven't been playing because those are two obviously very talented footballers um, you know Gilmore in, in particular has, has been fantastic you know north of the border Love the boy mate. He was in Moldova the other night and uh, there was, for Scotland's first goal, you basically saw him telling Nathan Patterson, make a run inside. He plays it to John McGinn, John McGinn flicks it on and then Patterson finishes for the goal. And then the second goal was majestic. John McGinn's back heel uh, lives up to the song. He has Steve Clark's Zidane. Uh, and Scotland are actually fun to watch. It's as if I'm living in a parallel universe. But... Aye, uh, I think that's the thing for me. Billy Gilmore, Todd Cantwell, all of these names are going to immediately be brought back into the into the throng. And that, Connor, that, that's got to be something for Norwich in particular. That that must have been a big focus area when they were thinking, right, it's time to move on as manager. Because if you're playing a system that neutralises your ability to use a lot of the players, if you're playing... Um, if, if, if there's, I always see it as uh, I've explained this in a couple other places. Football is a series of uh, football manager screens. Daniel Farkas has had a couple of private chats that have not gone well, and he's ended up with, with Todd Cantwell playing with the under 23s, Billy Gilmore not playing, um, whether that's for tactical reasons or for whatever else. 
But having a new manager come in and and it's almost like new signings again, isn't it? It is, and uh, I think Todd Campbell's interesting because he's, he's a player that that Dean Smith likes when he was at Aston Villa. I think that's a, a pretty open secret at this stage. And obviously Milo Rashica was someone that Aston Villa tried to sign, um, what, la, la, summer before last. So, um, yeah, they're, they're two players there that I think he'll be extremely excited to work with. Billy Gilmore as well. And I think what's what's interesting, Crystal Solis, obviously you can you can throw into that. I think it's it's really exciting to see how he goes about moulding that into a into an effective team. But uh, I think you, you look at the way Norwich City have have looked at this kind of pursuit for a head coach. Dean Smith, Frank Lampard, Katil Knudsen, um, they, they all sort of play a, a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. And, and that is kind of the, the squad of players that Norwich City have. It's, it's the squad of players that they recruited for in the summer. Um, so it's clear they want a manager to, to come and deliver that. And um, I, I think Absolutely. given the, the, the pool of managers that they're shopping in, they're obviously not in the elite tier. They're probably not even in the, in the, um, in, in the tier after the elite. I think given kind of the way it's spinning around at the moment, this sort of managerial merry-go-round, there's maybe even an argument to suggest that Norwich have come off better than than a lot of the other teams. So, yeah, it's 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 a fancy, it's a fascinating dynamic. It's a clean slate from what I understand, Todd Campbell's already back in the fold with the first team, so that's probably not particularly a surprise to anyone. Um, and as Smith takes training early part of, uh, of next week, Tuesday probably, I would suggest, when the bulk of players return it's um it's going to be a, an opportunity for everyone to impress and and state their claim again and i'm sure that we'll probably see names reintroduced that maybe we haven't seen for a little while hopefully billy gilmore's one of those as as you point out because he's a a fantastic talent and i think if if norwich city do want to survive this season then it's going to be getting the best out of players like billy gilmore and todd Campbell that's going to be pivotal to that him and Storm and Norman as a six and an eight is just so exciting to me. I, I really want to see us do that. Um, you, you mentioned about the four three three and the four two three one. Look, do you think? Because I know Smith in his time has, has used both systems efficaciously. Uh, do you think he's got a personal preference, or do you think he'll kind of mold that into the squad that he's got? And for Norwich City fans that are maybe, I don't think it'll be that many of them, but for anyone that's not aware of his his work and the way these teams go about things, how would you describe the style of football? Well, um, you know, the best of Dean Smith football that you'll you'll see is in either in a four two three one or a four three three, and and let's be honest, you know, they are very similar formations. Um, but yeah, you'll see a very expansive you know style of play um, under Dean. He, he likes to keep the ball on the floor, really, you know, nice attractive football um, with an attacking focus. But obviously, you know, with one eye on the back door as well. Um, you know, a Villa they they came into the Premier League and they were they were. Maybe a little bit naive. They thought they could, you know, run games like they did in the championship. Um, and that wasn't quite the we're, case. We've and, seen that in, in full evidence as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember some memorable games for Norwich. You know, the last time they came up after that win over Man City was one which I think everyone, um, you know, looks back on pretty fondly if, if you're in the green and yellow. But um, yeah, ultimately, it'll be an expansive style of play. Um, and, and I think Dean Smith will revert to that. I think where it's, it's gone downhill for him is where. This season, you know, he signed some players uh, for Villa. Um, you know, you've got Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins. He, he was adamant that he wanted to play them as a, as a strike partnership, which was, was obviously, you know, you can't do that in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. Um, and, and I think that was his downfall. He got a li- maybe a little bit lost and, and, you know, he never really discovered his best eleven. It'll be nice for him to reset with the Norwich City squad. And and, and like Connor touched on, I th- I'm really keen to see how he, he handles Milo Rashica because... He's a player that he was really keen on um, at Villa. 
Um, and, you know, it, it didn't work out. Unfortunately, I couldn't get that deal over the line. But I'm really intrigued to see because I've not really seen too much of Rashica this season. But, you know, by all accounts, he's, he's maybe not hit the ground running in the way that, you know, you, you might have hoped that he would have. I think Dean Smith might be able to get the best out of him. And, and you know, the likes of Camwell and, and Gilmore, they're, you know, they're, they're quality players. And, you know, there are some, some, some exciting players there. And I'm sure they'll take well to Dean Smith football. What about uh, the, 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 so you're mentioning Rashica there, but I'm trying to think of when Dean Smith first went in at Villa, what was his initial impact like? Was he someone that immediately managed to, to kind of lift the level of the team, change the style, uh, really put his own mark and his own imprint on it? Yeah, well, that was that was uh, the, the big thing that he had to do, really, because he came and he followed him from Steve Bruce. And let's be honest, Steve Bruce football is very different to that of, of Dean Smith. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he came in, it, it took him a little while to do it, but obviously it's such a dynamic shift from 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 Bruce Ball to Smith Ball. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be something that happens overnight. But he came in and you know, he had a very talented squad. I'll give him that. But at the same time, he did manage to implement that style of play. And it took a while for results to come, but when when he finally got his, his team fully fit and you know playing to to his to his standards, then then it was it was nothing but good performances, really. Um, you know, like I said, he, he brought the team from I think it was 14th in the championship to the turn player spots with that with that miraculous 10 game win in Brown, which was just it was scintillating stuff throughout. And, and Villa didn't look like conceding, and they looked like scoring two or three every game, which is which was obviously fantastic. So he's obviously you mentioned he was keen on Milot Rashica. Uh, the Villa recruitment team couldn't get the deal over the line. Stuart Weber has obviously, over his time at Norwich City, managed to get a lot of deals over the line, including by, to all intents and purposes, the looks of it, this this managerial one. But what do you know about the relationship between them, Connor, Weber and, and Smith? Do you, do you know much about that? And do you think it might be encouraging for Dean Smith to come in and work with someone who is so shrewd in the market as, as Stuart Weber is? Yeah, I think if it's it's a really interesting one because I was kind of looking back for some quotes from, from 2019 about... Stuart Webber and it was actually about why they decided to to recruit Daniel Farker at the time that they did and it came back to three things developing young players playing an attractive style of play and being sort of open to to different ideas in in the transfer market Dean Smith's done all three in in kind of the short time that he's been in management whether that's at Walsall Brentford or Villa um also he had to be very creative I think and with the way they recruited Brentford obviously recruited in a very clever way um and Villa he's worked under two different sporting directors so that's a big tick there. He was head of youth at Walsall. He, he's given a lot of players um, debuts uh, across the year. There's a, a few even this season at, at Villa who, who have had more minutes than, than perhaps they, they would have done under someone else. Um, and then as, as Luke speaks about there, the, the style of play. So he ticks all of all, all of those boxes, really. In terms of their relationship, as I said, if this is someone who was interviewed for a job that Stuart Webber was trying to recruit for back in 2015, then it's clear that he's he's had a long admiration of Smith uh, and what he does in football. Um, so that's a, that's a positive. He would have spoken to him before. He would have known what he's like. He would have seen his Aston Villa team in the Premier League. Um, so I think the relationship will be a positive one. And equally, Dean Smith was in charge pretty much of creating the the, the culture that, that Walsall became. Um He's essentially turned them into a, a side that was challenging at the top end of uh, of League One. Um, you can see after his after his departure, the, the direction that's gone for them. Brentford as well. He he improved, uh, and Aston Villa. He improved. He's a builder of football clubs. I think that that is um, probably the best way to to describe him. He progresses football clubs, um, and that's probably what Norwich City need now. That Daniel Farker has built them up. 
Dean Smith can now do the next bit. I think he's good enough to do the next bit. He's got experience of doing the next bit of Aston Villa. And that's probably where he differs from, from Daniel Farker. So I think it's a, a sensible appointment. I think he'll work well within the, within the structure for the reasons that I explained. And um, I, I think Stuart Webber will, will really be looking forward to to him injecting some fresh impetus and, and new ideas into it because um, I was spent my morning yesterday uh, watching quite a few interviews of him talking about different things and um, a very deep thinker about football and uh, and also um, quite philosophical in his outlook about football, quite modern, quite progressive. I think often he kind of gets pictured as, as a bit old school for whatever reason. Um, and I don't get the impression that, that he is maybe, maybe little bits of his, of his management style, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and one thing he is, is is very good with people uh, and he gets the yeah. best out of people. And Norwich have a young group. He, he will need to do that. He'll need them all on his side um, if Norwich are to to do what looks at the moment very, very difficult. So it's a very difficult job that he's walking into. But I think they've got a man who is probably the best fit for it at the moment, I would say. Yeah, of the available candidates, I would completely yeah. agree. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it there. Good with people, Luke. Um, any good stories from his time at Villa and just just in that kind of score of um, how he's kind of dealt with people, whether that be members of the public within the dressing room. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in a kind of public-facing side and then maybe internally in the man management side, is there any sort of stories or stuff maybe that illustrates what, what he kind of does in that regard? Well, I mean, in terms of, of the public... He was he was adored by Villa fans, Dean, uh, and still is. Um, One of their own, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But it's not just that. It's not just that he's a fan. It's it's you know it's it's the fact that you know every game, you know, Villa fans would would, would queue up outside the gates at Villa Park, hoping to see you know a player or manager or just you know someone stop by. And Dean was always you know very uh, very gracious, very um, generous with his time uh, for fans. You know, he'd take pictures. You know, as you'd expect from any manager, but with him, it was always you know very much um, you know a joy you know for for anyone to speak with him. Um, and 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 likewise, he, like like Connor mentioned, he's he's got a really good mentality. The way he speaks about the game is is fantastic as a fan as well. You know, he's someone who is very forward thinking, um, and you know it's great. Fans enjoy that when they when they hear a manager who's who's who, who talks in in that respect? Because you know it's it's not just a matter of oh you know it was a game of two artists and that it's 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 a very progressive talk which is which is which is always good. Um, in terms of you know behind the scenes, I mean you only need to look at at the the, the players' reaction. He was he was well loved by 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 pretty much the entire squad, I'd imagine. Um, you know you look at the likes of Tyro Mings, who um, you know is his skipper, and you know the fundamental an England player, didn't he? Well, that's it, and and you only need to look at Jack Grealish as well. I mean, he came in; he was a Championship player. Admittedly, you know, one which I think everyone knew could do a job in the Premier League. But you know, that's the story of you know he he went down with that shin injury um, in in the Championship, and then he, he came back and and the way that Dean Smith managed him, he's essentially you know he, he, people use Jack Grealish as a as a stick to beat Dean Smith with at times because they say, well, you can't do it without Grealish. He's never managed it without Grealish. You know, I, I look at it in the respect of, you know, he took Jack Grealish and he got the best out of him, which you can see now at Man City. Turned the guy in, Pep, superstar. Exactly. Pep Guardiola's not exactly getting the best out of um, Jack Grealish, I think it's fair to say. Um, mm. and, and Dean Smith managed to do that. Um, and you, you look elsewhere. I mean, for example, a player like Conor Harahan, who who isn't even at the club at the moment. He's out on loan at, at, at Sheffield. He's United. a swear word to Norwich City fans, look. <laughs> <laughs> Always well be. brilliant games against the Canaries, man. Yeah, he may well be, but I mean, for a player who's out on loan, um, hasn't got a future at Villa by all accounts, 
to send such a loving message to a manager who essentially said to him, you're not going to feature for this club anymore. Um, you yeah, know, it, says, it says everything about his man management skills. So, you know, players, I, I think every Norwich City player can really look forward to working with Dean Smith because he's, a, he's someone who clearly gets on with everyone at, at, at the club and is, is a great man manager. So I, I, if I was a Norwich City player, I'd be very excited. Well, that's good to hear. Um, a lot of the fans are, are really getting behind him as well, I think. Now, Katie Lee's written, I never thought we'd be able to tempt Dean Smith. Think about it. He must have got a nice payoff. Probably looking forward to, uh, I don't know, a bit of time off and maybe a bit more time seeing his son in America. Um, and But she continues to, to come to Norwich this soon after being sacked from his boyhood club. That shows drive and passion. I'm excited. Um, Dan Mayhew says... I'm so happy we did not get Lampard overrated. Don't understand the reaction from some to Dean Smith. He was great for Brentford, Villa and Walsall. I'm sure he'll do well for us. Great at youth development too. Uh, and there's, there's a few other um, like comments in there just really getting behind the new boss and and sort of quite encouraging to see the, the swell of support that there has been. I think in the since it's looked like it's going to be Dean Smith, I think a few people that did have their, their crosshairs and Lampard seem to have realigned them. I am amongst them. And it's now as if I think I was just excited by Lampard and kind of carried away in the hype of it. Whereas I now do think this is probably rationally the most sensible appointment. But bringing it on to Craig Shakespeare again, do you think Norwich City will really be able to benefit Connor from a guy who is so. And so so tactically uh, good on the on the other side of the ball, the side of the ball where we've really struggled in the Premier League. Because I know we're not scoring many goals, but if we can keep them out, then that would be a start. And not taking away the two clean sheets that got us uh, the the couple of nil nil draws earlier this season. But I, I think Norwich City have probably really needed someone in that, that really knows the defensive side of the ball for a while now. I, I think and. I'm really excited to see what he can bring alongside Smith. What about you? Yeah, agreed. I, I, I looked into him a bit yesterday for a, for a piece that I wrote this morning. And uh, I mean, you have to sort of look at his experience at, at the top level. You, you don't stay at that level unless you're a very, very good coach. And he's he's worked with some some talented managers as well. He's, he's, he's worked at England. He's worked at Everton. He's worked, obviously, at, at Aston Villa, Leicester City, some massive football clubs. Um Hull, um, maybe less so in terms of size, but but whilst they're in the Premier League, so I, I mean he's he's got experience of it all, hasn't he? He's got experience of winning the Premier League. He's got experience of of being in relegation tussles as well. Um, and I think the dynamic is is probably quite an exciting one because they they have probably what Daniel Farker didn't top flight experience in abundance, the pair of them. Uh, and as you say, I think I think Shakespeare will bring a fresh pair of eyes and a different approach that Norwich City probably need. Um, the, the thing that excites me both, though, they're just both very talented coaches, very talented coaches um, among probably the best English managers in, in, in the country at the moment. And I think that, that probably shows by um, just how few are, are in the Premier League at present. So that can only be a good thing for Norwich City as well. Um, the fact that, that both have, have wanted to come, as you say, after after they were sacked at, by Villa last week, I think shows a lot about that. It's a really short gap. And actually, funnily enough, this is a, a, a Villa-related start, Look, I think it's the shortest... Jo uh, time between two managerial jobs other than John Gregory uh, back in the day. Uh, I think it was between Villa and Derby. Um, he was, I can't even remember the exact period of time, but I think Smith and Shakespeare are going to beat that record in terms of time between leaving a Premier League job and taking a new one. 
Um, again, the symmetry of football, mate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 great to see him jump back in. I I, I was one who, like I said earlier, I thought that you know it might be six months, it might be you know the end of the season until he jumps back in. But clearly, he's got that drive, and 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 the Norwich job must you know really reach out to him because you know, like I said, you know, some of the players there, it's it's there's there's a squad there that. You know, I think Dean Smith will believe can stay up, and and he'll hope to get some back in to, to be able to do that. But you know, like like Connor said, he's an incredibly gifted coach, as is Craig Shakespeare. So if anyone can get the best out of some of those players, I think it's going to be him. Sorry, just to pick up on that, I think what it does do as well from Norwich's squad perspective now, there's 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 nowhere to hide. There's no excuses now. The head coach is gone. You can't blame that. It's it's our, is this group of players good enough now? They've got to prove it under a new head coach. And I, I think that's probably a different um, question mark than what they would have had under Daniel Farker. And, and I think an, an element of why Norwich City decided to sack Daniel Farker, and it was Stuart Weber outlined it in a statement, is because they believe they can stay in the Premier League this time. And I think it was just injecting some shock into the squad as much as anything else to prove that actually they're not happy with the starts of the season and they're not happy with the performances or the results. So if Dean Smith and, uh, and Craig Shakespeare can't inject that, then I think that that will probably say a lot about the group of players and the recruitment that, uh, that Norwich City have undergone this summer. It's quite nice that, I mean, obviously the receipt sheets are examples already been outlined, but I think it's quite nice to be getting a manager in that likes quite a lot of the players in the squad, clearly. Clearly Norwich City have, I mean, they've obviously been coveting some, some Aston Villa players with Wendy going there, obviously, but I think... I think Dean Smith was always quite an admirer of the work that Daniel Farker was doing and the kind of football that Norwich City played and the, the football and philosophy that we have at the football club. So it's good to get someone in that is very much in alignment with that, I think, firstly. And secondly, I'm really excited to see what he does with players, which players really push on under him. Because I back two or three of those summer signings that we've not really seen the best of yet to really end up hitting their stride under this new boss. And I think that's that's going to be good to see. Is, that, is there anyone you think, Connor, that you would maybe pick out as, as most likely to do that? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, there's probably two it. answers. There's, 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 there's probably two answers. The one I'd like to see do it, and then maybe the one I think will do it. Um, for me, Brandon Williams is a really interesting one because we, we've seen probably two really outstanding performances from him so far, which was Arsenal away. And obviously most recently at Brentford, where I thought he was very good. So um, if Dean Smith can can achieve a consistency in his performances this season, then Norris, then the, we're probably not even having a debate whether it's him or, or your new list, I think. And um, so, so he's the one I think probably will kick on. The one that I want to see click on, click, uh, kick on rather is, is, is Christos Scholles, who we haven't seen much of. There's so yeah. much hype and excitement about... Um, and, there and is. I, just, I, I did a podcast about him, mate, with a guy who's been watching him since he was a young teenager yeah. in Greece, and he said like proper potential world class footballer there. And we've seen very little of that that yeah. player, but I don't think he's really had the the stage to do it on. He's been shoehorned into positions he's never played before. He's never really got a full run in the team playing in his his best position. So yeah, I'm with you. Jolis is the one I'm really excited about. Him and Billy Gilmer actually playing and, well in the team, and the reemergence of Taunt Cantwell. Yeah, well, that, that, that was what I was going to come on to. I'm, I'm sure Luke will, will tell the story about when, when Dean Smith walked into Aston Villa and what he said to Jack Grealish, your numbers aren't good enough. I would imagine he'll be having a very similar conversation with Todd Cantwell because the ability's there. It's now up to him if he wants to reach the top level. He needs to start adding and getting his numbers up, essentially, particularly in the Premier League. So 
I, I think he'll try and use a very similar style of management that he used with Jack Grealish with Todd Campwell. I mean, the narrative is is similar. It's not the same. And I'm not, I'm not certainly not comparing Todd Campwell to Jack Grealish in terms of quality, but local lads, hometown club, maybe underperforming a little bit, been out of the team a little I bit. I think the parallels are there, mate. Yeah. So it's a good yeah. point. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that, Luke? Do, do you think he can, he can maybe be the guy to unlock that next level with Campwell? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the parallels, as you said, I mean, they've even got the, the same haircut. I mean, it's it's it's, it's pretty spectacular. <laughs> Your beard has um, been getting some love in the comments, mate, by the way. Oh, well, that's always appreciated. Um, uh, unfortunately, the hair isn't quite a greenish levels, is it? Um, <laughs> no, not quite um, but I don't know if that's by choice or not. So I can't criticize. Uh, a bit of both, a bit of both, I'm going to be honest. Um, brave the shave before um, I was forced to. Um, anyway, uh, I mean, in regards to Camwell, it's it, it is it is it is going to be a case of you know will will Camwell be Dean Smith's new Jack Grealish and you know like like Connor touched on, I mean that the, the similarities are all there. Um, he's a player who's clearly very talented. He's a player that, that you know Dean Smith clearly liked the look of um, as Villa boss. He was linked with him you know on numerous occasions, um, which didn't come as a surprise because you know we, we've seen the best of Camwell you know in the Championship and. You know, at first season, Norwich were in the Premier League. Um, what two seasons ago, he, he was obviously a player who was who was very highly rated. But you know, as, as Connor touched on, you know, with 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 Dean Smith when he came into Villa, he, he immediately kind of highlighted Jack Grealish and said, "Look, you've got to perform." And I think he'll do exactly the same with Todd Campbell, and I think he'll 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 do it with a couple of other players at, at Norwich. Um, you know, I've already touched on Rashid, so I think he's one that could, that could thrive under him. Um, another player who I think. You know, it might be able to stand out under Dean Smith. Someone like Josh Sargent, who you know has come in and he was really highly rated. Interesting. Um, mm. Yeah, he's 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 one of those players. You know, people look at Norwich and they say, you know, outside outside of Timu Puki, they they needed another striker, and Josh Sargent can play there. So, I'm I'm interested to see what 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 he does with 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 some of them talented young players because you know there are so many of them at Norwich. You just need to get a tune out of them, and if you can manage that, then you know they could really give some big teams some bloody noses and obviously stay up in the Premier League if they can. You know, put a run of results together. Of course, if things don't go to plan, then you've got no one better to get you. You know, immediately bouncing back. That's the key bit for me as well, right? See, in comparison to split, if you can comparison to Dean Smith versus Frank Lampard, credentials wise, Frank Lampard, I think, I think he'd get his top six, but I don't know if he'd get his top two. Dean Smith, I think, would get us promoted again, and I think the football club would not suffer. I mean, we probably wouldn't get Matthias Norman. Would be the the big blow as a Norwich City fan. Um, I don't know if we could get that over the line if we return to the Championship. Where does um, the, the clause is there? If we stay in the Premier League, uh, then Matthias Norman will, will remain at Norwich City. So I think that's that that's going to be the one big disappointment. But Dean Smith will get us back out of the Championship, and that's the key thing for me. Is looking at this appointment as a let's say three four years is is a good tenure for a manager. Now, if we look at the next three four years of the football club, I'm happy with Dean Smith. As, as the manager. We've got a few questions coming in. Um, first one I'll hit to you, Connor. Will he have any money to spend in January? Asks Lee Coates. Um, it'll probably be money spent on his behalf, behalf sorry, by the sporting director, Stuart Weber. But is, is there money available for recruitment in January if, if Smith identifies any areas as particularly needing reinforcements? Well, unless the plan has drastically changed, I don't think that January is going to be particularly busy uh, unless... 
Dean Smith has has got some assurances from from Norwich City Sporting Director, to be honest. And it's it's a month that Stuart Webber doesn't particularly like to to do business in. I think there's an opportunity maybe for for one or two. It's certainly not for for sort of financial reasons, but it's it's already quite a big squad that Norwich have got. Um, yeah, are there, are there one or two areas I think you'd like another? Yeah, for sure. Maybe they could have a play about with the loans. Billy Gilmore is is someone we're talking about. Obviously, his his loan future is is up for debate. If Smith comes in and for whatever reason decides actually Daniel Farquhar is right, um, then that is certainly something that, that they could explore, and then that could be an option that opens itself up. So, look, never say never. But as things stand, I don't expect Norwich City to to be too busy in January now. Okie dokie. Um, Jeff Lindell's asking, will Smith help us keep some players that we may have lost in January? I'll let you field that one, Luke. Uh, I mean, how does he mean in terms of players we may have lost in January? So, um, guys that might be potentially heading for the exit door. So, Billy Gilmer would be an obvious one going back to Chelsea mm. uh, because he's not getting game time on his loan. But maybe you could look at the likes of Sam Max Aarons, who's been linked with some of the, the, the biggest clubs in the world, to be honest guys that, that may be headed for an exit, do you think Dean Smith could be the guy to twist their arm and say, do you know what, see the season out with us uh, with us, and, and, and maybe get a big move in the summer? Uh, essentially, player retainment rather than player mm. recruitment. Well, I mean, we we've, we've, we saw that with, with Villa from his time there. He managed to keep Jack Grealish at the club, you know, long before, you know, many other fans, you know, maybe kind of accepted that he was going to be on his way. So, He's certainly got the capability of doing that. I think I think the one thing that will really, you know, help players who are maybe considering their future in January will, will be his, his his coaching style and his, his clear, you know, brilliant man management, which which we touched on already. He, he obviously knows how to keep players happy. Um, mm-hmm. That's not to say that he, he won't he won't show someone the door when they need to be, but um, ultimately he's he, he's done a good job at keeping the majority of Villa's squad very happy. Um, you only need to look at players, you know. Someone like Courtney Hawes, for example, who was is never going to be a starting centre back, but every time he comes in, he does a good job, and it's clear that you know he, he likes doing that job for Dean Smith. You know, he's someone who accepts his role, and he's he's great at getting players to do that. So you can certainly you know you can you can certainly hang your hat on on, on that that he'll be able to you know keep players happy and and, and hopefully give them opportunity to shine. Well, that's good to know. Uh, he's a question in from Mister Radio Floyd. He's asking what lineup would you like to see four three three or four two three one. Uh, what, which was he more successful with at Villa, Luke? Well, um, you know that last season where where um, you know during the coronavirus pandemic and no fans were around, it was it was a four two three one. But but like I said, it, I mean you're splitting hairs between a four three three and a four two three one for me. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh yeah, but ultimately he, he, he likes having those you know those three attacking players. He, he likes them to press really high. I mean, someone like Ollie Watkins obviously shines under him. He's a player that he's used at, at numerous clubs now. You know, they, he likes to have that that focal point in terms of someone who, you know, instigate the press from from really high. Jack Grealish speaks for himself in terms of the quality he had. Um, and on that right flank, you know, we saw we saw a number of players there. You know, the likes of Anwar Ghazi, we saw Bertrand Traore do really well. The midfield is obviously key. Um, you know, John McGinn is obviously a fantastic player, but we've really seen him develop yeah. under under Smith. Um, and then, you know, best backside in football, mate. Uh, yeah, he certainly does do. Um, but then we saw, you know, the emergence of young talent as well. Uh, Jacob Ramsey, I mean, he, he had a really good season yeah. um, under Dean Smith and we saw him really develop and he, he's turning he's turning into a fantastic player. We've seen him you know, doing the job at, at youth levels for England now as well, which, which is showing the quality that he's really built under Dean Smith. So, 
you know, it, it bodes well if you've got young talent with the, with you know with Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare about because he he'll give an op give them an opportunity and 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 they'll hope that they can shine under him. Okay, dokie. Uh, another one which I'll let you field look. Do you think that you might target anyone to bring back from Villa on loan in January? David Berman asking that one. Mm, it's it's interesting one. Um, you know, you look you look at that Villa squad, and we're yet to see what what Stephen Gerrard thinks of the squad as well. So it's it's tough to say. That's true. Stephen Gerrard may fancy a lot of these players. He might not fancy others. Um, there's a real question mark at the moment over someone like Tyrone Mings, who, who despite playing for England. You know, a lot of Villa fans, or you know, there's been more a growing, you know, a growing group of Villa fans who are maybe thinking is 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 someone he's someone that needs to be replaced. And he's you know, not. He's, I don't think he's an England standard defender. I think he had some really good games actually for England, but mm. I, I don't think, given the the level that England want to be competing at and and were viably competing at during the Euros, I don't think he's an answer there. Yeah, I, I think a lot of Villa fans are starting to question that as well. So he is maybe one that, you know, I mean, Villa signed him for a lot of money and I'm not saying that Norwich are going to go and sign, you know, Tyrone Mings, but it's one where if Steven Gerrard maybe fancies an upgrade there, then it could be one who's potentially, you know, maybe considered available in, in, some, time, in some time in the future. Um, but outside of that, you know, you, you look at the squad and you, and you think the Villa squad is, is, it's a little bit big, but... At the same respect, you've got to see what Steven Gerrard makes of that squad before he even considers letting anyone go. There might be two or three that he just doesn't fancy, and that could, they, they could be viable transfer candidates maybe for, mm. for, for Norwich City. But just on the subject of young defenders, actually, Norwich City have Andrew Omobamadeli, who's put in some superb performances already this season. So, I mean, mentioning Tyrone Mings, I think I'd rather play Andrew Omobamadeli there. Don't know if that puts me in, in the stark minority, but I would rather develop a player like that than than bring in Tyrone Mings, whose who's eventual levels maybe about here, Omobamadeli's could be there. So I would rather develop the younger talent. And uh, one of the questions was asking Connor, can he cement his place in the team as a regular right now? Uh, do you do you think that he's he's got the the gumption to do that, the young man? And do you think he can do? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think he's tremendous. Um, I, I watched him against Brentford. It's it's not like you're watching a 19 year old kid. Really, he's he's brilliant. Um, he's got size, stature, physicality. He's got a turn of pace as well. Reads the game expertly. I, I, I've got really high hopes for him. I think if you compare him to someone, Ben Godfrey is probably the obvious example because we saw his development. I think if you compare the two at the the same age, I think Omar Bamadeli is is well ahead of where Ben Godfrey. Yeah, um, he's a better defender. Was. Godfrey's yeah. three different things in one player: a ball playing centre half, a kind of sitting midfielder, and a right back who has settled on the ball playing centre half bit. But I think Omar Bamadeli is a much better defender than Ben Godfrey, and I'm a big Ben Godfrey fan by by the way. But like, I just Agreed. think Omar Bamadeli's superb. I'm with Agreed. You. Yeah, I, th I think um, the the interesting one for me is is someone like Grant Hanley. Where where does he fit into a Dean Smith side? Would he fit into a Dean Smith side? He obviously had a lot of capital with with Daniel Farker. He's a big presence in the group. That's going to be an interesting one to see someone like Christoph Zimmerman I mean he's someone who was attached to Daniel Farker he arrived with Daniel Farker what's going to be made of him so I think there's there's a lot of question marks around that those two centre-back positions if it is going to be a four we I know Dean Smith um, played played a 3-5-2 at Villa didn't he with, with maybe not the, the same level of success but so that's again maybe a different option for him to to use but well, he yeah, is ta tactically adaptable that, that's another yeah. thing that really encourages me with him coming in as a manager but he has primarily an attacking philosophy 
whereas Farka kind of lost that, I think, towards the end. So, yeah, I'm, that, that's another just exciting aspect about Dean Smith, but I'll let you finish your point, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, was, I was just going to finish on, on Omar Bamadeli. Then there's also the element as well, Norwich City, the way they run the football club, and I'm sure Dean Smith will, will know this, is they need to develop young players because then they need to get a big big sum of cash for them to, yeah. to keep the self-funding model going. So I really believe if you could establish Andrew Omavamadeli as a Premier League defender, I don't think it would be long before we see him in a, in a similar position to maybe someone like Ben White or, or something like that. I mean, he's, he's still incredibly young, so you've got to be cautious. But look, if, if, you, if you get a good body of games in the Premier League, people are going to look at you at that age, I think, irrespective of, uh, of, of your potential and stuff. But yeah, I think based on what I've seen so far, I think he, he could definitely um, he, he could definitely stake his claim and and be a more consistent member of that of that back four, particularly if he if he can replicate the level of performance we saw against Brentford. Yeah, look on the the subject of Omar Amadeli, let's talk developing young defenders. Dean Smith's done that well at every club he's been at, I think. Yeah, and and the standout you know at Villa was was Ezri Konza. Um you know, he was signed, yeah. admittedly, for, for, you know, pretty big money. Um, but, I mean, he wasn't the starting centre-back when, you know, that first Premier League game, it, you know, was was coming around for Villa. It was it was Mings and it was it was Bjorn Engels. Um, you know, Esri Konsa was someone who, who obviously developed under Dean Smith and has become, you know, um, for, for what many Villa fans are wondering, you know, why isn't he getting an England call-up and Tyro Mings is? And obviously, the you know, the question mark yeah. there is, Tyra Mings is a left footer and Ezri Konza isn't. Um, but, you know, he's been a fantastic, you know, asset for, for Villa and he's he's obviously, you know, ballooned in value um, and his quality is, is, is there for all to see. He's a fantastic young defender and, and someone who's going to continue to improve. Um, not to mention the likes of, you know, Matty Target and, and Matty Cash, both of whom, you know, were signed and, and you know, it took Target a little while, but he, he was he was Villa's player of the season last year. Uh, that's, that, that goes to wow. show just... Just how I good he was. I never thought that. Like, is that uh, mighty time? Yeah, it was. I think he was player's player. So it was. It was. It was one where he really shone under Dean Smith, and and that's obviously not just defensively, but going forward. And then Matty Cash is. I mean, he's just earned his first Poland call up. Admittedly, he's he's, he's switched allegiances, but you know, he's someone who who's really shining at right back as well. And then you know, it was it was a tricky one in terms of the goalkeeper, but you know, Dean Smith eventually got the man that he wanted, and and. You know, Emmy Martinez has really shone as well. So defensively, he certainly knows how to get a tune out of players, um, and particularly young players in in, in the likes of Esri Konza. Um, but you know, he, he's someone who can develop that talent as well. He doesn't need money to be able to to get players playing. You know, you know, at a higher level, he can he can do it on the coaching pitch too. Just to, to sorry, can I ask mm-hmm. Luke a question? A bit of a change of tack. I was, I was just going to ask him about. Strikers. I mean, you mentioned Ollie Watkins earlier on, and how he he likes to press. What, what do you think, Dean Smith? And you mentioned Josh Sargent as well. What do you think Dean Smith will do with someone like Timo Puki, who's, who's a very different striker to someone like Ollie Watkins? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, he's he's someone who's certainly shone at Premier League level. I don't know how Dean Smith will really take to him. I, it, it's interesting because Villa did sign Danny Ings, and and you'd, you'd say Ings and, and Puki aren't you know too dissimilar in the style of player that they are, are they? I mean, they're they're both born finishers. So we never really saw the best of, of, of Ings under under Dean. Um, you know, what, we did see him shine at the start of the season. I think that you know the goal against Newcastle was one which I think stood out. But you know, it'd be interesting to see how he manages Timu Puki because, like you said, he's a very different striker to, to Ollie Watkins. Um, and we'll see how he coaches because Dean Smith. You know, he, he had a couple of strikers at Villa who were very very different. I mean, if you remember, he signed Wesley, 
um, that first Premier League season. And that was one which got curtailed by injury, but he had Tammy Abraham before that. So he can clearly work with a range of different strikers. It, it just depends on you know how he takes to the methods you know that, that Dean Smith wants to implement. Um, I'm sure Timu Buki will be keen to work with him, uh, but it'll be interesting one to see. I'll, I'll be interested to see tactically if uh, maybe Smith adapts the 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 kind of the way the team moves going forward and the the approach in that area of the pitch to what Timu Puki's strengths are. I suspect in the short term he'll probably kind of have to because he has the best viable option there. And I think I think a few Norwich City fans' noses would be out of joint if he decided to go with Josh Target Tar- uh, Josh Sargent. I can't even speak as a target man, and then. Uh, rather than, than than playing with Temu. Uh, but I think in January, that's the one area that I think a lot of people would maybe like to see Norwich City get someone in as uh, another number nine option. And even though Stuart Webber doesn't necessarily like buying players at that time of year, would, would it make sense to go for like a six-month loan deal? Someone that can maybe come in and even get five goals. Five goals is a big... It's, it's a lot for Norwich City in, in terms of trying to stay in the division. So do you think that's a kind of move that might make sense and, and could potentially happen, Connor? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, they've maxed out their loan spots at the moment, though. So it would mean sort of fiddling around with one and uh, and looking yeah. at it again. So that that is the interesting element for me, just about how they, they go about that. Because clearly you're, you're not going to get rid of uh, of Norman. I think Kabak as well, I think, is has got the the tools there to be quite a, a really exciting player. Um, whether or not we, we see that this season or not is, is going to be interesting, but still very young. I think Dean Smith's view of him is going to be particularly interesting. Um, and then obviously domestically, you've got Brandon Williams and Billy Gilmore. So I can see all four playing a pretty major part under Dean Smith, if I'm, if I'm being really honest. So that then means that you have to go and and spend on a striker pretty big money. We, we've seen what eight million pounds gets you in Josh Sargent, which is arguably a striker who's not really good enough for the level. So, mm. um, to then ask Norwich to go again in in January when there's probably going to be a real pro- real prospect of them getting relegated back to the Championship, I think is a big ask. So, unless they are clever with their loans, I, I don't really see them going out and and splurging big on a on a striker, for example. Fair enough. Uh, and I mean, as as worth remembering, Adamita is there as an option and. Maybe we could see Dean Smith have the impact with him as he did with the likes of, of Ollie Watkins in terms of making him a viable Premier League player uh, for at the level for Aston Villa. So, I mean, that that is something that could well happen. Question for you, Luke, from the listeners is, is Dino good at using subs to change games if required? Well, I mean, this was one, um, maybe a little bit of a sore spot for, for Villa fans. Um, and it was at times that, he maybe waited a little bit too long, Dean, to, to, to kind of impact games off the bench. And, you know, you could argue last season it was due to a lack of strength in depth. You know, you, you looked outside the starting eleven, and you think, is there anyone really there to impact a game? Um, this season, we saw much more of, 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 you know, changes at half time, changes, you know, in terms of tactical changes to Im- impact games. And you it was a shame that they came in results which which weren't good and they were part of that losing run. Mm-hmm. For example, you need to look at Southampton and Arsenal where Villa were, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, they were, pre- they were pretty damn bad in the first half. Yeah. But Dean Smith managed to, to, to make changes and you can use that as a point, you know, as, of evidence of 
you know, him being, you know, still had players on his side and he still, you know, was trying to get the best out of the team in terms that he brought players on and Villa were much improved those second halves. Unfortunately, it's it's very much there to mount into climb at that point. But it was a it was a real sticking point last season. This season we saw, you know, with more players on the bench who could impact games, he was able to do that. So it's, you could say it's that interesting he's able sometimes to do it. it's interesting sometimes when managers are everything's going well. Folks say the they're impossible, like they're not good at impacting games with substitutions. It was the exact same when Farker was doing well and Norwich City was like, Why is he not making changes earlier? And it's like, yeah, he made the changes with 15 minutes to go. We scored three goals in the last 15 minutes. Come on. Uh, and it's funny how that seems to be levelled at managers when they're doing well. And then all of a sudden they start changing their methods, changing their approach. Look at Daniel Farker this year. And he's almost gone too far the other way, completely compromised the, the football and philosophy that he'd built up over the rest of his time here. And then it's obviously ended up with him out the door. So... Yeah, I, I always think that's a really, really easy one for fans to to level a manager when things are going well. It's like, oh yeah, his subs aren't good enough. Yeah, well, that's maybe because we started the game and we were two 0 up at half time or whatever, you know. Um, another one for you, Connor. Here is um, NCFC nineteen oh two is asking: Is Farka close to getting another job? Um, he does say that, that he suspects Farka might take some time out. What's your understanding of? What what's going to be next for Daniel Farker? Do you, do you know if he's got a preference and for his next job and and can kind a of timeline on that? Yeah, I, I don't know in terms of timeline and uh, and whatnot. Uh, I know he's going to take a, a few weeks to to rest and uh, and have a break, and rightly so after four and a half years, which I would imagine have been very intense. Uh, the job he's done at Norwich City hasn't always been easy, um, particularly this season. So I'd imagine he'll, he'll take some time out. The way I view it is, I think he'd get a better job in Germany than he would in England to be to be to be honest I think he could probably get a Bundesliga job um, whereas I think in England he'd get a championship job wouldn't he um, ultimately so um, I would suspect and it's just a feeling uh, obviously different options might come up um, but I, I, I would be surprised if his next job wasn't in Germany to be honest although that yeah. being said if you were a top championship club at the moment or a team in the championship that had aspirations of reaching the Premier League Daniel Farke would be at the top of your list they find he's going to the pick at any championship yeah, job that's the absolutely. thing absolutely like, if, uh, if I if I was Barnsley or Cardiff or anyone else looking for a manager, you'd, I think you'd at least pick up the phone and say, "Look, is he interested?" Because what he's done there on on a budget as well is going to be extremely appealing to to lots of clubs. Um, I could even I could even see a move like, and I don't think it will happen, but Rangers, for example, I think they could, they would do a lot worse than appoint someone like Daniel Farker. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately it will be back in Germany. It will be in the Bundesliga because I think his his body of work over four and a half years, he's not going to be defined. He's not going to be remembered for kind of the, these 10 games. It will be the body of work before that. And I hope he chooses the right much. vehicle. That, that's the one thing I would yeah. say. I hope I hope he gets his next choice of job, right? He chooses the right Bundesliga jobs and he's going to be getting top. Well, top. progression in Germany is is pretty pretty good as well, isn't it? Coaches yeah. progress up the pyramid better than they do in England, exactly. for example. So I think that's going to be an appealing element for him as well. Yeah, totally. Um, just getting it back to Dean Smith, though, I, I think another aspect that I, I really like about bringing him in is the, the fact that he viably could make some players make that jump to playing for England because he's done that at Aston Villa. He's, he's made players that would traditionally, Tyrone Mings and Ollie Watkins don't traditionally get in England squads. I think Jack Grealish eventually breaks through just because of sheer talent, but but those two are players that he's lifted to that, that viability and that level. I think he could do the same with 
some Norwich City players. Todd Cantwell could, in some universe, be an England player. Like I don't know if he would be a regular, but he could get a handful of caps. Max Aarons, if it wasn't for the absolute strength that England have at right back, would be a viable contender to get in that squad, and I'm sure will get England caps in his career. I think having someone that can advance the careers of young English and young British players that, that, that we bring through, British and Irish, actually, um, if, we're, if we're talking in Andrew Omobamadeli's case, that, and Andrew uh, Adamida's case, and I think having someone that can work with these young players and properly give them the tools that they need to be Premier League regulars, international selections, all of that stuff. It's just another thing that really excites me. I don't know about you, Connor. Yeah, definitely. I think if I was someone like Max Aarons, who clearly has aspirations of playing for England, I think he's made that perfectly clear. Like you said, there's a lot of quality there um, in, in fullback positions England have generally. I think it's a, it's a shame in many ways that Norwich haven't got a, a young English centre-back at the moment because uh, a good handful of games and you probably end up in the England squad at the moment, <laughs> as, we, as we spoke about earlier. Uh, another one I've thrown into the mix, um, probably more thinking mid to long term, but Angus Gunn is, is a, an interesting one as well. Yeah. Because, I would argue the quality of of England's goal. Scotland's viable as well. well if, if he doesn't get if he doesn't get the England call up, like he is viable for Scotland. Yeah. We, once Craig Gordon goes, we're going to badly need a keeper. Yeah, this is it, and and I mean, I think beyond uh, Jordan Pickford, obviously Aaron Ramsdale's done very well this season as well. But uh, I don't think there's a, a huge body of of really talented English goalkeepers like there was a few years ago. So um, that's one as well. Todd, like you mentioned, is, is another. So yeah, I think he's he's definitely got the the ability to do that and to improve players. And as I said earlier, not not only does he build football clubs, he improves players. He's done that at every single club he's been at. He adds value to players. That's that's what's going to, what's going to make him so appealing to Norwich City. And to Stuart Webber. That's yeah. absolutely what is going to make him appealing to Stuart Webber because I know the way that, that, that they can, he can look at these things. Um, just with, with the young players thing, look, what is it you think is, is Dean Smith's secret at managing to get Ollie Watkins an England call-up? Like, what, what is it he does that makes a player who, as I say, traditionally the likes of him and Mings, I don't see as, as playing for England, right? I mean, I might be wrong mm. and other people might think I'm judging it a bit harshly, but I, do, I don't think they're of the requisite level to automatically say, oh, they'll be in an England squad. I think Dean Smith's managerial acumen has managed to get them to that point. That's my reading of the situation. Let me know if you agree with that take. And secondly, what is it you think has magic when it comes to working with young players? I do agree with you. Um, and, and for me, I think it's a mixture of of, of trusting those players, you know, to, to, to do a job for you, but also playing to their strengths. You know, you look at Ollie Watkins and you know, the season he had last year was was really underpinned by the fact that Dean Smith, they trusted him to play in that lone striker role. Um and obviously, Ollie Watkins really took to that, but also playing to his strengths and saying, look, you know, there are going to be games where you don't have all of the ball. It's just going to be the case. Dean Smith always tried to do that with Villa. But when he said, look, when we don't have the ball, do what you do best. Go and press it. Go and make you know mistakes from other players and then capitalise on that. Likewise with Tyro Mings, he trusted him. He, he, he brought him in on loan. Um, ultimately, you know, he was, he was a player who Bournemouth were looking to ship out um, and it worked, you know, fantastically for Bournemouth in the end because they got, I think it's twenty six and a half million quid out of Villa for him wow. because he was he went out on loan. He was never going to play at Bournemouth, um, and then he, he he was trusted in that central defence role which he really wanted to play in. And I, I know he started as a left back, but 
you know, he, he couldn't get in at Bournemouth and Dean Smith said, no, look, I'll trust you. You you be the man who leads who leads the line and, and bring that leadership. Um, and we'll play to your strengths. Look, we need we need a left-sided centre-half. We need someone who's, who's willing to take risks and play out. And, you know, that's exactly what Tyrone Mings did. And and you only need to look at other players, Esri Concert. Um, Jack Grealish, again, is, is is one which a name I've brought up so many times and you can't have to when you speak about Aston Villa and, and last season. You know, he, he trusted Jack Grealish. He said, look, you know, I know you're the best, most talented player in this squad. We want to be able to give you the ball. Just do what you do. Um, and, and and Jack really responded well to that. I mean, when 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 Smith, you know, eventually got the sack at Villa, Dean, um, Jack Grealish was, was one of the players who spoke out. He's not even at the club anymore um, on Twitter and and. and and he was he was one who obviously credits a lot of his success to him as well. So I think it's fairly obvious, you know, that he can bring the best out of these young players. But ultimately, I think it was a mix of, of, of trust and, and and playing to them players' strengths. So it'll be exciting to see if he can do that with this Norwich squad. Yeah, I really like that idea about the high press. And one of the things that I can remember from from Dean Smith's tenure at Villa is how productively he used the coronavirus hiatus. Because the difference in the Aston Villa team between pre-project restart and post-project restart was more stark than any other team in the Premier League. It was a vast, vast difference. What do you see about his work over that period as, as being the most noteworthy aspects in terms of how he improved the team? Well, I mean, it came at a really fortunate time for Villa because Dean Smith was was... I mean, he was on the brink at the time. Villa had just lost mm-hmm. uh, by four to Leicester. Um, they looked lost in the Premier League. They were, you know, they were almost certain, you know, candidates for relegation. Um, but the one thing I'll say about Dean Smith, he never gets too high. He never panics. He never gets too high on a high and, and too low on a low. He, he is someone who is always, you know, trying to keep a, a steady mind and a cool head. And he did just that um, in lockdown. It came, like I said, it came at a really fortunate time where it, it gave him a chance to, to kind of come together and figure out what was going wrong defensively because that's where... But he did improve were. dramatically though, especially well, on that side of the ball as well. They just seemed to be a lot more compact, was married and all that, after Project Restart and it really benefited them. That's it. And and, and Dean Smith went into went in depth about that speaking to the press afterwards. He said... You know, individual sessions with players over Zoom, and you know, highlighting areas of the game which needed to improve, and and how they could do that, and and you saw that that you know the fruits of that kind of came came well, ripened after after lockdown, and they came back in Project Restart, and they were they were phenomenal. Villa, they got the results they needed to, and and you know, they 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 managed to stay you know stay in the Premier League, and and obviously you need to look at where the club have gone since then. You know that obviously they're they're a different model to Norwich in terms of the ownership and the money that they're willing to spend, but they've continued to grow in the Premier League. And and like Connor mentioned before, he's he's a manager who pretty much always leaves a club in a much better place than than it than it was found. Um, you know, you could levy that the you know the last six months uh, maybe wasn't true in Villa's circumstance, but. There have been, you know, caveats that you can add to that. Um, but ultimately, he came in with Villa 14th in the Championship and he's left them, what, 16th in the Premier League? I mean, no Villa fan was complaining about the results. And, you know, you only need to look at Brentford and Walsall to see what he did with them as well. Yeah, no, nah, I think that's the key thing. And we've got someone that I know can build the football club either from the Championship or the Premier League. Whereas I think if you go all in and Frank Lampard, you're kind of hoping you stay up because you're not entirely sure that he can be the right man in the championship. Whereas I don't, I think Smith's track record says that he can, he can definitely manage at a, a lower level. 
Um, you mentioned Grant Hanley earlier on, Connor, as a potential candidate. Uh, Christoph Zimmerman's another one that you, you kind of wonder if he's, his time's been now at Norwich City, given the, the litany of injuries and the fact that he was very much Farker's lieutenant. But Ed's asking, who will be the player to potentially lose out with Dean Smith coming in? Is there anyone who you think could become marginalised? And I'm not saying that it's important to, to kind of make sure this is couched in the right way. This isn't saying the manager's going to automatically go out and try and not give someone game time or anything like that. But sometimes just the byproduct of various forces can end up with some player ending up in the fringes. Is there anyone you think could be potential candidates for that? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, they're already on the fringes, but even more so, I fear for for Lucas Rupp, someone someone like that, um, Christoph yeah. Zimmerman. Um, yeah, that kind of contingent of players who who maybe are who or, or were brought in by Daniel Farker and were Daniel Farker players. Uh, I, I do wonder, and and this is what's going to be so intriguing about the next three, four, five weeks as Dean Smith really gets to know this squad and and um, shapes it to to how he wants it to be. Which players are going to be included and which aren't? And there are some that are already pretty on the fringes that I really fear for, to be honest, um, at, at least in the short term. So. I don't see any of like I don't I don't see Dean Smith coming in and making drastic changes to the starting eleven. I think we'll just see tweaks stylistically and and from a formation perspective and players as we spoke about earlier. Todd Campbell, Billy Gilmore, Christos Solis, Milo Rashica given a new lease of life. That's what I see more than anything. I see these players improving under Dean Smith rather than than him chopping and changing and someone who has been on or maybe the fringes suddenly coming in from nowhere and and playing a run of games. So. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what a Dean Smith Norwich City side looks like and who it involves. Um, I suppose players like Kenny McLean are, are interesting. I really rate it. Kenny McLean. I think Dean Smith will really rate Kenny McLean. Um, I know he gets quite a bad rep sometimes. I don't think he's he's been as as good as he as he has been for Norwich City. He's so not been far. at his best levels recently, and uh, no, and I, th- I think he'd admit clear. that. But I think he gets a really unfair reputation with a lot of Norwich fans. Uh, when he's playing yeah. well, he's one of those players that's works well within the collective. He's not someone that necessarily individually stands out. So he sometimes Absolutely. gets forgotten about. And then as soon as he has a couple of stray passes, it's like, oh, this guy's rubbish, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think Kenny McLean gets a lot of unfair rap sometimes. I'm, I'm really intrigued about someone like Ben Gibson, for example. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Dean Smith makes of, of him. We've already spoken about the centre-back options that, that Norwich have. Um, trying to think of top Pierre Lace Malou, I think is a, is another one. What's Dean Smith going to make of him? Is he going to have the energy in midfield that, that perhaps he wants him to have a very yeah. good presser of the football. Um, so again, given what Lucas said, that could be, uh, that could be a big tick in Lise Malou's box. You, you, we just don't know how he's going to interpret or see it or what he's going to want to try and implement with this Norwich side. So, um, yeah, I fear for some who who already aren't getting minutes and are on the fringes, but I don't see him coming in with a sledgehammer and uh, and smashing things up to a, no, a massive not. extent. No, definitely not. Look on that um, in that regard. Is there is there anyone in particular you think will really really fit the Dean Smith approach? Just on the flip side of that, uh, like of of who might lose out. Is there anyone you think from the outside looking in that's a Dean Smith player? He's going to really like him. We mentioned Rashid, so was a guy who's obviously really keen on. But of the the other people that are already there in the Norwich City squads, there anyone else you think? Ah, yeah, Smith's going to like him. I think bringing it back to to Campwell and and Gilmore, you know, two two real you know 
players who can offer you legs in midfield and obviously a lot of running. And Dean Smith is, as I mentioned, you know, he's someone who likes to play an expansive style. So anyone with, you know, some forward thinking, you know, ability on the ball, those are, those are, those are players that, that Dean Smith's going to enjoy playing with. Um, but likewise, they've got to put a shift in. Um, and, you know, you do wonder with, with someone like Campwell, I mean, I'm from the outside looking in. I don't, I don't follow Norwich. I don't know the reasons behind why he was why he was dropped and not featuring. But you do wonder why 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 was Campwell being dropped? Why was he not being fancied? Was it a lack of running, or is it something that's happened behind the scenes? I'm not. He too changed sure. the system quite a bit, and it, it sort of made it quite hard to play Todd Cantwell, given the the system change that he made earlier this season, which was to move to a far more defensive looking setup. Mm. And yeah, that was that was not the entire entirety of the reasoning but it was definitely part of it and uh i mean i think there was just other aspects with him and farka that they began to butt heads with maybe you can shed a wee bit of light in that corner i don't know just as to, to what I, exactly the story was there because i think i think it was a story that kind of went untold but i think reading between the lines if he's playing for the under 23s that says a lot yeah i mean it's it's a difficult situation where you've got a head coach coming out and telling you that a player's not fit and a player coming out and telling you he is fit so i mean if who do you believe in that situation right so that's the player. So there's, there's there's clearly a difference of opinion um as daniel farker said he may be fit but he is he fit enough to play a premier league game of football which is something that we don't know because we don't have access to the fitness data and uh, and his his metrics so um only only those two and i'm sure everyone else in and around the club will know that Clearly, there was a, a difference of opinion between the two. Um, I don't think that will come to a surprise as, as anyone for Todd Campbell to be banished to the 23s, given Norwich City were bottom of the Premier League prior to the game before the, the international break, hadn't won a football match. I know people like Luke and people on the outside will be looking at it and, and saying that looks very odd. And I think Norwich fans were looking at it in the same way and thinking it's very odd. So if... I think it's the success he had in the Premier League the last time that makes it well, even this is more it. stark, isn't it? Yeah, this is it. When people think about that Norwich team two years ago, you think of Todd Campwell because he was he was the face of it. He was the poster boy. He scored against Manchester City. He had that dance he did after goals. He had the hair. He's recognisable. Yeah. Everyone knows Todd Campwell. Um, so it's it's a bit of an easy win for Dean Smith, really, to come in and, uh, and, and throw Todd Campwell straight into it. And then I guess his press conference before the, the game against Southampton is going to be really interesting because if he comes out and says, yeah, Todd's probably not as fit as, as we'd like him to be, then we'll know we'll know the answer if Todd Cantwell is straight back into the team. Again, we will know the answer to to the question. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, as I said, Todd Cantwell's back with the first team group, which he hasn't been for a few weeks. Uh, I'd be shocked if he wasn't playing some at least some part against Southampton. But I, I'd fully expect him to be. I think you'll be in the squad, which is a big a big difference. And yeah, he could be back in the starting yeah. eleven. Um, I was I was just going to come on to that next. Do you have a a kind of a predicted starting eleven potentially that you think could 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 be Ooh. at least viable for the Southampton game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you go, I've, I've got a right idea. in there. Good man. I've got a rough idea in my head. Um, I, I think it'll be crawling goal. Um, again, this is probably dependent on on injuries. Obviously, we don't know how Grant Hanley or Ozan Kabak are at the moment. So, um, with those two fit, I think we'll see Aaron's Hanley Kabak. Williams, which probably contradicts a little bit of what I said wow. about Oma Bamadeli. Bamadeli just... and Gibson, who have both been great. Yeah, yeah. Bombed yeah. out. That's that's just how I how I how I see it. Um but again, if those two aren't fit, then yeah, and Ben Gibson could easily come in given the way he likes to play football. Midfield three, Norman, McLean, Gilmore, 
and then a front three of, of Campwell, Rashidzo, either side of Timu Puki is, is kind of how I'm looking. I think really the centre-back sort of um, positions are, are the ones that are majorly up for debate for me because, as you said, there's a, a really good argument for Omar Bamadeli coming in. There's um, a good and, argument and for every for, one of those players. Yeah. Ozan Kabak's the best footballer. Grant Hanley's the leader. Ben Gibson's played really well and is the naturally left-sided one. And then Andrew Omobamadeli's a young player with bags and bags and bags of potential. So we're actually, from it being the area which has been a Norwich City weakness for a long, long time, I think, um, in terms of strength and depth, definitely. I, I look at that now and I think you've got you've got four defenders that you could argue at their best anyway are definitely viable Premier League players. And I don't I don't know if I can remember the last time I would have said that about Norwich City in terms of four centre-halves. Just a good question come in here from Ollie Middleton. He's asking who else could be in the backroom team uh, yeah. alongside Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare. He says he noticed they signed a set-piece coach, set coach. I can't speak. I don't know what that is. Sunday night. A set-piece coach this season. Is that Austin McPhee by any chance, yeah. Luke? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so is there any chance of Austin McPhee joining and uh, maybe a fitness coach or, or people in the other like, sort of backroom staff roles? Um, who, who else do you expect might go with Smith? Well, uh, it's interesting you, you you bring Austin McPhee up. Um, you'll have knowledge of him from his, from his you know international Very much work so. as well. Um, international work, and then obviously he's got a really strong body of work in Scotland over the piece. Yeah. Um, so he's someone who was who was you know highly touted when he was brought in and and, and Villa saw success in their set pieces um immediately, you know, following that. Um the word I mean the word from Villa is that that Neil Cutler, who is a very trusted man to Dean Smith, is staying at Aston Villa, as is Austin McPhee and Aaron Danks, who was was recently brought in as well. Um and and Neil Cutler, the, the goalkeeping coach. Right? Yes, um, right. but he's much more than a goalkeeping coach. Um, okay. He's someone who's, who's worked with Dean Smith before um, and it's someone who, who he's, he's kind of got his, his fingers in every pie in terms of coaching. Um, his official title is, you know, goalkeeping coach, but he's someone who is, is very, he was leaned upon a lot by Dean Smith um, and Villa like him. And, you know, so far it sounds as if he's staying put. It'll be interesting to see what happens if Dean Smith is, is appointed and, and comes to Villa and says, look, I really want Neil. Um, because Steven Gerrard's also brought in a sizable backroom staff as well. So it might be a case of, you know, are there too many cooks for this broth? And and, and could Neil Cutler be allowed to leave? Um, so that would be interesting. But McPhee and Danks, you know, they, they were both brought in by the board at Villa, um, you know, from, from what we understand. So so it, it, it appears that they'll be they'll be looking to stay put, um, although Villa would like them to stay put. But Neil Cutler would be the big one, I think. Um, there have been a couple of other coaches who have maybe left. I think, you know, word has it that, that there has been a fitness coach part. Um, but Neil Cutler's a big name when when you think of, of Dean Smith, you know, outside of Craig Shakespeare and, 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 and more recently Richard O'Kelly. But Richard O'Kelly was someone who departed Villa um, this summer. Um, Do you think he may come back? Um, to work with Smith at, at Norwich, or so is, is there any other names you think would be definitely going down to Norfolk? Uh, yeah, potentially, but it was one which was kind of it was it was a strange situation because everyone really rated Richard O'Kelly quite highly. Um, but there was, I think, there was an understanding between Smith and him that you know 
it was it was it was one which was going to end um in terms of a partnership at Villa and a lot has been said about JT as well you won't you won't be seeing John Terry go to to Norwich um he's someone who very that's much just never much. happening in a million years is it like even if they were still managerial number one and number two John Terry still doesn't come to Villa Air no, to Norwich no he's very much a man who, who fancies himself as a number one and he'll look for a number one job now um, so yeah, the interesting not just name that is... him at Norwich is just never fit. <laughs> like just does not fit. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't sound quite right, does it? Um, but yeah, Neil Cutler's the one which you, you might want to you know put a paperclip on. Um, you know, as I said, Stephen Giles brought in a sizable backroom staff. Neil Cutler is still at Villa, um, but Dean Smith obviously leans on him a lot and has worked with him at Warsaw as well. Superb stuff, lads. Um, anything else that you would would kind of pick out as sort of key things to look out for in the coming sort of week or so building up to that first game from now uh, that you you really think are worth people looking into and maybe having a look at. Um, I'll let you go first on it, Connor. Yeah, well, I was, I was just going to add on, on the backroom staff point, really, from, from what I can gather uh, at the moment, Ed Wooden's going to stick around as goalkeeping coach, which is interesting given what, okay. what Lucas said there. Um, and I'm expecting the other positions to be internal promotions at this stage. Um, but Norwich haven't ruled out. On the, on the fitness side, we've got a lot of good people yeah. at the football club. So I don't think there's any worrying in that regard. No, no, absolutely not. Um, certainly initially, it'll be it'll be internal promotions. And then they, they might have a look at a later stage. Like I said, if, if someone like Neil Cutt that becomes available, then then that might be something that they explore later down the line. But certainly, initially, it is it's Smith and Shakespeare, and they're going to be the only two um, coming certainly from from the starting base. And, and on that note, by the way, it's another aspect of of Norwich City progressing people, because everyone looks at sort of academy players that get first team games, right? But that same methodology is used in the staff side as well. And that's that. I mean, it's the same reason Neil Adams has been appointed assistant sporting director. There's always got to be that succession plan and that, like, what what comes next in the process type thinking. And yeah, that, that that's why I, I'm I'm definitely a fan of seeing things like that happening. Mario Linus Ataki getting her new job, all of that kind of stuff is all good evidence of the football club promoting from within, which I, I think can only be a good thing. Um, but ju- just on the kind of general note of sort of Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare. Um, looking forward to that first game. Look, anything else you would say that we should should kind of look out for in the week building up? Well, I mean, what messaging do you expect him to give to the press and stuff when he when he sits down and is introduced as boss? I think it'll be you know one one of honesty from from Dean. That's what you're going to get from him um, a lot of the time. Uh, you know, he, he's someone who, who who won't shirk a situation, um, and I can imagine that. His first press conference will be a really interesting one. I'm really intrigued to see, you know, what he says because the situation Norwich are in, I think a lot of people may have already written them off for relegation. Um, so it'll be interesting to see his take on that and, and what, you know, we all know what the goal will be, but it'll be, it'll be. I one think he'll which, be bullish, mate. No, I think I think I I agree. Um, I think he sees enough in this squad um, to, to to keep them up and. It'll be interesting to see what what the situation is in terms of you know I'm sure the question will come up like if Norwich do go down, will, will, you know will you back yourself and I'm sure he will do um, you know to, to get the side back up because you know at the moment you look at the championship and you only need to look at this season to see just how how weak a league it is and and if Norwich to go down it's not the end of the world because you'll have a lot of money in comparison to other clubs in that division um, and you'll have a manager who obviously knows you know the the. The, the division inside out and 
we'll have a lot of quality players, you know, to, to call upon in that division. Um, but I'm really interested to see, you know, just how he comes out. But you can imagine, I, I imagine you'll see a lot of honesty from Dean. Um, yeah. There might be the odd frustration with injury updates because he's, he's not a manager who likes to reveal too much there. But um, on the whole, I think it's going to be a fantastic appointment for Norwich. I, I, I genuinely believe, you know, when you look at Villa and the appointment they've made in Steven Gerrard, there are genuine questions over whether that is an upgrade on Dean Smith, which says a lot about the man and a lot about the appointment that the club are making. Some Norwich City fans are asking the same question about Daniel Farker and Dean Smith, Connor. I am wholeheartedly of the opinion that, A, you needed to sack Farker because his time had, had run its course. And I think the club would be looking at relegation guaranteed if we hadn't made a managerial change, regardless of what that change had been for number one. And my second point is, I think Dean Smith is wholeheartedly an upgrade on Daniel Farker, given the points that we've made earlier in the podcast about the fact he can make that next step with a football league, or sorry, with a Premier League club that's fighting relegation and get them to that mid-table stability and then looking to build look with, with an eye towards Europe as opposed to looking behind you, you know. Smith has done that. Farker hadn't. So that's why I would say he's definitely definitely an upgrade. Although I know Norwich, some Norwich City fans are asking that question. Yeah, I'd agree. I, th- I think it is an upgrade. I think you, you only have to look at um, his body of work. I mean, he's, he's kept a team in the Premier League for one. No, no Norwich manager has done that since Chris Hewton nearly a decade ago. So um, there's an argument to say he's an upgrade on the last five managers that the Norwich City have had at the football club. Um <laughs> So, so that's a massive tick. He's he's got more managerial games at this level than Frank Lampard, for example, who was his his closest rival for this job by all accounts. Um, I think, yeah, as we've spoken about at length, he, he ticks the boxes that Norwich City look for in a managerial candidate. Um, and I think he will be he will understand the situation that they're in and the way they operate as a football club. I think, um, as we said, he, he he improves clubs, he builds clubs. Norwich City need building. They need building as a Premier League team. I see few people who are available at the moment who are more qualified than Dean Smith to do that. And I think he'll really relish this challenge as well. And I think he's someone who will get the best out of people, not just players, but staff as well. Um, and I think he'll make Colney a, a really positive place to to go and work and a really productive place to go and work as well. So not yeah. to say that Daniel Farker didn't do any of those things, but like you say, sometimes a new voice and a realignment and a different... Yeah take on things and a fresh impetus that him and Shakespeare will bring, the experience as well, the standards that they'll set, I, I think that could have a big impact on, on Norwich City, both in the in the short term and uh, and the midterm this season. Yeah, Paul Freak's written and he's written, Shakespeare could still well be a manager in his own right, so it's like having two managers. I think that's a really good point. And just given that we, we can balance this podcast to speak about both Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare, uh, Luke, what, what what are your thoughts on what Shakespeare specifically can can bring to the mix and really brings to that duel just to, to kind of wrap things up here for us? Well, like Dean Smith, he's, he's someone who's well-liked by players. Um, so so it's, it's almost a double whammy there in terms of you've got two really likeable um, coaches. Um, and, you know, the, the point that was raised is, is, is a good one. I mean, he's, he is essentially, you know, if you, if you were, were going to highlight a manager who's in between you know, actually being a first team coach and and a, and a and a manager it would be someone like you know clubs inside out he's got so many contacts um and he's someone that that obviously gels well with with things if you need to look at their body of work you know for, since since they came together um just how successful villa were um 
But so, there was yeah, that interesting period where he first came in to, to Villa where the, the focus was very much on what Shakespeare could bring. Can you tell us a bit just about that period where the, the scrutiny was quite intense on it? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he was someone who caught in, brought in and, and people were, you know, maybe a little bit surprised to see him, you know, take that number two. But he's he's just someone who who, who knows, you know, how to coach players and, and get the best out of them. I think that was a that's the thing that Dean Smith really wanted. He wanted, you know, someone with a bit more you know, experience and maybe Naus in, in that respect. Um, and he got that in, in Craig Shakespeare, who's someone, like I said, who who got the best out of players alongside Dean Smith. You, you know, people credit Dean Smith for, for what happened last season at Villa, but, you know, Craig Shakespeare was a massive part of that as well. So, you know, he's someone who, who, who like like Dean, doesn't shirk responsibility, um, but is, is clearly very talented on that on that coaching pitch and can bring the best out of players, which is exactly what he did at Villa. Well, that's what we're hoping that he's going to do at Norwich City as well. Um, we've done our kind of ninety-minute stint, gentlemen. So, or just about anyway. So, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there. But a lot to look forward to. Um, and j- just to sum it up, in a kind of emotional sort of basis to finish, Connor. Obviously, you've grown up watching Norwich City as well. So, although you've got the the journalistic scrutiny kind of bit, there's also the bit of you that's a, still a fan of the club. How are you feeling about the appointment as a supporter? Just just to finish up. Oh, that's an interesting question. I think I think probably um, like a lot of people, I think that at first you kind of think, oh, Dean Smith. That, that's kind of the, the thought that you have. It's a right? journey, isn't it? It's yeah, been a journey. I think it is. I think I'm the it same. Is. And the more I, I see of him, the more I hear of him, the more I hear about him. Sort of the the more that I'm I'm quite excited about it. I, I kind of um, I wrote a piece the other day and it was kind of underwhelming or underrated um that, that that was kind of the the headline and i was trying to answer that question a little bit because i think a lot of Norwich trans initially did feel quite underwhelmed by it um yeah i mean as as a fan i i feel i feel quite excited about it now i think if you'd have asked me two days ago three days ago my view would have been a little bit different and i've still got an element of doubt over has he taken this job too quickly and i think that's that's probably going to be something that's going to hang around unless he starts superbly if he doesn't then people are going to point at that and it's going to be a an easy stick to beat him with right but um as i said he's someone who has experience of the premier league has experience of keeping teams in the premier league that alone should be enough for Norwich city fans to get excited irrespective of, of kind of everything else but everything else is a is a bonus i think Brilliant stuff. Look, you have given your time free gratis tonight, so hopefully we'll get you a few Twitter followers out of it. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you, mate? And on uh, any other social media that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I'll just give my Twitter account. That's where I do, you know, where I share the majority of the stuff that I do. Um, so you can just find me at, at lhatfield underscore star. Um, so you'll see, you know, random bits of content on Aston Villa, West Brom, uh, the odd bit of Walsall, Shrewsbury Town and, and Wolves now and then as well. So uh, you can, you'll find an eclectic mix of, of football uh, content to digest there. Very good stuff, mate. Um, Charles Gray, just with a final thought on the pod, um, saying Shakespeare is the cherry on the Smith cake. I really like the way that's phrased. Nice work, Charles. Thanks to everyone for listening. People know where to find you, Connor, but um, I'll let you go for a quick plug anyway. Yeah, uh, CJ South one nineteen oh two on Twitter, the pink and that's 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 where I am. If you uh, if you if you want to find me, um, hopefully, well, I'm off for a week now, so you won't hear much from me anyway. But um, thereafter, hopefully, I can I can provide something that is is worthwhile. 
No, good stuff. Everyone knows pound for pound what Connor can deliver in terms of good local journalism. And I can tell you, having known Luke for, mate, this scared me when I thought of it. We met in 2009. That's madness, isn't it? That is worrying. <laughs> Crazy. So, um, yeah, I've known this man for over a decade. The quality of his work is unquestionably excellent, um, regardless of regardless of what sport it's on. Um, so I get look, give Luke a follow, Troops and Troopettes. Um, you'll probably already follow in Connor, but if you're not, then sort it out. Um, thank you to everyone who has watched the podcast tonight and to anyone who does subsequently listen to the audio version, which I will be packaging up tonight and probably putting out tomorrow morning. Uh, I have uh, very much enjoyed the journey that I've been on to accepting Dean Smith as going to be the next Norwich City boss. Um, that's been an enjoyable one. And thank you for living through the fun time Frankie frolics of last week with me. Um, anyone who's enjoyed that podcast and this one, thank you for doing so. If you're not aware of my work, you can find it at Hodgey the Hack, H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack, all one word, on all social media. Hodge on Nod, you can find on your podcast players. And if you have enjoyed this podcast that you've been watching on YouTube tonight, then please do hit the bell and subscribe. I would be really grateful. I want to hit a thousand subscribers because that's a whole new level of YouTube unlocked then. So try and help me to that end. Get your friends, your mum, your dad, whoever you want to do it. That's what we're wanting. I will be very grateful and we'll send you a Christmas card. There's a promise that I don't send Christmas cards. That's a lie. Anyway, thank you very much to Connor at my left. Thank you, mate. Thank you Cheers. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's all right. Thank you very much to Luke, just below me. No problem. Happy to do it. And thank you very much to yourselves for listening. Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare, a mid-November managerial dream on the Ball City.